In the book of Acts, we've been watching Jesus build his church. And we've been watching that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. It's the, really, it's the whole book of Acts. It's the building, building, building. Jesus is building, pushing back darkness, repositioning hell's gates over and over and over again. Really, that verse from Matthew 16, verse 18, is really the template of the whole book of Acts. It's one exploit of Jesus over and over again. It doesn't say um, Peter will build my church. It doesn't say Paul will build my church. It doesn't say Fred Hartley will build his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. This is something Jesus is doing. He's building his church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. Now, when it, when it says, uh, Jesus said, I will build, it's really a compound word. Build is the root, but it has house build. I will house build my church. I'll build it relationally. And, and I'll build it foundationally. I'll build it one relationship, one family with another family. That's how he builds his church, house building his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. That's also a compound word. And it means um, it will not overpower. It's, um, it will not uh, withstand the building of the church. It will, in a sense, cower to the building of the church. Rather than rising up and crushing the building of the church, it will be crushed. The gates of hell will be crushed as it tries to stand against the building of the church. That's what... Um, we find in the book of Acts. And we're going to see it this morning in Acts 16. Some of you know the last two weeks I was in Egypt, and I want to just give a brief report. I want to introduce you to a couple of people. So uh, this gentleman, he pastors a great church in southern Egypt. Two years ago, he was with his mother, and uh, some people came and killed his mother right in front of him. And um, how was he going to respond? And, and uh, even the news media came to see how he would respond. Well, he, he, he called his, the people that killed his mother out in the public. And they met him at a public place. And it was actually filmed. Him blessing and loving and forgiving the people who killed his mother. And you can actually YouTube it. And I'm going to make that available to you. There's a number of YouTube videos of this guy forgiving the very people who killed his own mother. And because of that, the majority culture around, many of them, many, 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 have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The next guy is a pastor in Lebanon. Now, I'm able to show this. I got his permission. Um, he oversees many, many, many house churches. And he's going to take our teaching and share it all over Lebanon with the house churches. Now, there were leaders from 12 other nations that were there, 12 altogether, so 11 other nations. And they're all going to be taking back the training and sharing it with the house churches. In fact, they're going to be sharing it with over 5,000 house churches all throughout the Arab world. Yeah, it's, it was a miraculous uh, trip. Uh, next slide is, uh, that's the Nile River. Just, I thought, that's outside my hotel room. I thought you might like to see. I had it, I had it rough. 
I was um, suffering for Jesus. Okay, and then uh, all work, no play, you know what that does. So we had one down day, a couple of down days, and we went and visited. There's only one pyramid. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a tourist. I don't like visiting the tourist sites. But, I mean, we were within a half mile of, of the pyramids. I mean, that just would have been wrong. So we went and um, saw the Sphinx and, and the pyramids. And um, then one week was in Cairo and one week was in Alexandria. And this was the view out of my window as the sun set over the Mediterranean. Um, and the final slide uh, is this picture of, of worshipers. Because we were actually in an upper room. We had a lovely communion service. And these people, one guy went back. And I wish I could tell you the country, but I'm not because it would jeopardize his security. But uh, one guy that we trained already went back to his country. And they've already implemented our training in 16, no, 18 house churches in this other guy's nation. But here, So here we are in this upper room. That's the Mediterranean, that pretty aqua or turquoise water off in the distance. So it was the most beautiful thing. The breeze was blowing. We had this nice canopy over us. But it was an upper room, and that's what we train, is to rebuild the upper room uh, all over the world. And by the grace of God, we trained 153 pastors and leaders from 12 nations. They oversee uh, 513 churches, 3,000 and some house churches, and they anticipate starting 5,642 upper rooms of revival prayer in the next month. So, yeah. hallelujah. What, what, what I didn't realize when we went, two things. One, I did not realize that Egypt is called the mother of the Arab world. And um, uh, this was told to us not by the Egyptians, but by the, those that came from other countries. They said, keep coming back to Egypt. We can come to Egypt. We can go back to our homes from Egypt. Uh, there's few places on earth that, that Arabs can do that, but we can do it here. Um, so we are planning another trip. If any of you would like to go, please uh, sign up. But uh, the, the most amazing thing is this. Three or four months ago, God put it in the heart of every church, every evangelical church, the Pentecostals, the Evangelicals, the Bible Church, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, Methodists, they, they all, we train them all this week. But they, God put it in the hearts of, of the church, the evangelical church all across Egypt, the desire to fast and pray for revival. This only started three or four months ago, and they've been doing it. Every church, every church. They say every church. I said every church. They said yes, every church. And, and they all said, the ones we trained, they said, you are an answer to our prayers. God sent you an answer to our fasting and praying because God's going to use what you've given to us as a catalyst for what we're praying toward. So this is God's timing. For 10 years, we've been asking for an open door in Egypt, and the, the time he gives it to us is exactly the time that they're fasting and praying in preparation for what God wants to do. So God, is his ways are perfect, and uh, you pray, you listen, and you obey, and you go, and God gets you there at the right time. So thank you for praying. Thank you for uh, sending us out. And uh, it was a blessing to go... <clears throat> And it's a great blessing to be back. Um, it's only six hours different, so uh, jet lag never really bothers me. So um, 
if I fumble this morning, it's not because of jet lag. I really feel perfect. So, Hallelujah. We come to the building of Christ's church in Acts chapter 16. We're going to see what it is that God uses to build his church. And the first thing that's obvious, he uses people. He uses imperfect people. He uses flawed people to build his church. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple there was named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So what this is, is... This is kind of interesting because at the end of chapter 15, Paul did not want uh, this guy, John Mark. John Mark had let him down. John Mark was invited to go on a mission trip, and the guy bails out. And so uh, Paul thought he's not ready. Well, Barnabas really wanted John Mark. And, and because of this, this, and it says there was a strong disagreement. We have words in English for that when there's a strong disagreement. Well, you can fill in whatever word you want, but that's, these guys were mad at each other. Barnabas and Saul. It's the first real rift we see in the unity of the fellowship in the church. Uh, it comes over, I don't want to work with that guy. He's not ready. And so, um, really, it's kind of a flaw. This isn't a virtuous thing, but God redeems everything. And, and Paul now picks another guy. This is interesting. He picks, he picks a young guy whose mother's a believer. Apparently that means the father wasn't a believer or maybe the father isn't even in the picture. But his father was a Greek, which means he's kind of a, a Heinz 57, this guy. He, he's, Paul is a thoroughbred in the sense of he's a full-blooded Jew on his mother's side and his father's side. This guy, Timothy, is, is half Jew, half Greek. So... He, this creates racial issues among some people. But this, let me just say here, out of these verses, racism is one of hell's gates. It's, racism is one of hell's gates that Jesus tears down and Jesus overthrows. And here when Paul picks Timothy, Paul is really violating social protocol and in the very act of picking Timothy, he tears down one of hell's gates. Racism. It clearly would have stood against um, the, 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 the advancing of the gospel. But the very fact that Paul picks this guy is an evidence that Christ bridges to every ethnicity every religious and cultural group, and treats them all equally. That's the message of the gospel. This is why we don't look down on anyone. We don't tolerate an ounce of one racial supremacy over another or one uh, uh, putting down of another. We don't tolerate that. That's not, that's not biblical. It's not Christian. It's not Jesus. Jesus builds his church, and he tears down hell's gates, including racism, and Timothy, and this, this example is a powerful example of tearing down one of hell's gates, one of the big hell gates. 
Now, Paul has them circumcised. And you need to understand, this is not uh, because there was a vertical problem. There was no problem with Timothy and, and God and, and that, that circumcision would get God, uh, Timothy in better with God. That's not the issue. It's a social issue. There, there was a social stigma against him not being circumcised. So, so for the horizontal relationships that Paul wanted to open up to Timothy, he wanted him to be uh, circumcised. So the first thing we find in Acts 16 is that God builds his church out of people, imperfect people, ordinary people, flawed people like us. We're people, we're imperfect, we're flawed. But God uses us to build his church. The second thing we come to is in the second paragraph. In verse 6 and 7, it's interesting, the Holy Spirit forbids Paul from entering certain areas. Now this is interesting to me. Because Jesus said, you shall go, this gospel of the kingdom should be preached to all nations. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's the scripture. The scripture says, go into all nations. But notice, the Holy Spirit said, not here, not now. It wasn't a permanent Ichabod. He wasn't putting a curse on those people. But he said, no, don't go there now because they're not ready. It wasn't that they're worse. They're just not prepared. Instead, God gave him a vision. And in the vision here, verse 9 he sees this guy from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Timing is everything with the gospel. God prepares us to share the gospel. God prepares those near us to hear the gospel. Okay, so in order to get from Cairo up to Alexandria, uh, we rented a, a van, and our van driver drives us all the way up. Three hours. And the whole way up, I'm sharing the gospel with the guy. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, the Lord says, today is his day of salvation. So I'm a little tired. You know, I'm in the back seat. This guy's driving along. I'm talking through a translator. But the Lord says, today is this guy's day of salvation. So I, I wasn't going to veer off course. I, I held the point. I held the conversation. I kept asking questions. I'd follow up. I'd say, what questions do you have? I'd answer his questions. We, we, I'd keep sharing the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. Two hours sharing the gospel, and the guy got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He received Christ. Then, um, I, I wish I could say her. I'm not going to say her name. There was, there was a woman in our hotel. She worked for the hotel. For her safety, I'm not going to mention, and I wish I could tell you her name. It's a, anyway, i got to be careful. Um, and God told me she's going to get saved. And um, so uh, she had a name that's in the, oh, man, I wish I could tell you those. I can't tell you. Hmm. Um, I better be careful. I'm just going to leave it short and sweet. Um, it's her time for salvation. Yeah. And um, she did not pray with us before I left. But uh, my, the buddies that led our team are still there. And I'm confident today is the day of her salvation. I'm confident. 
If you come up to me after, I'll tell you her name and you can pray for her by name. God speaks to us. He tells us when. And sometimes he says, no, not yet. No, don't go here, go here. That's what he does here. There's two, not yet, not yet. Verses 6 and 7, no, no. And then 8 and 9, yes, yes. It's Macedonia is where I want you to go. So they, they go. They go to Macedonia. And the kingdom comes. They're ready. So the rest of this takes place in Macedonia is a region. But there's one city there called Philippi. Paul ends up writing in one of his letters to Philippi. Well, here they're in Philippi, and that's where the whole rest of, uh, of Acts chapter 16 takes place is in this city. Now, the first home that they go to is they're preaching in the public place, and this wealthy, successful entrepreneur, a power woman, Lydia, and she's listening. She's listening attentively. But then while she's listening to the message of Paul, it says something quite remarkable here in verse 14. It says, The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Now, this is, this is, this is Jesus building his church. He works inside Lydia and opens her heart. Now, this woman, she was a remarkable woman. It says she sold purple fabric. Now, this is no simple thing. To sell purple fabric, purple is the most difficult color to reproduce. You don't smush grapes on white cloth, linen, and create purple. It comes from a, a mollusk, a shell. If, if there's any shellers in the house, it, it, it comes from uh, the shell, it's a small shell called a murex. That's where you get the purple dye that dyes the fabric. And so here's a woman who deals with the, the, the weavers of the fabric and the, the fishermen down on the Mediterranean and brings together the dye from these mollusks and the, the, the linen fabric and, and dyes it and makes it purple, and that's what she sells. And, and she made a bundle. Uh, she was that kind of a big-thinking um, entrepreneur. And now God opens her heart, and she hears the gospel. She gets saved. Now, we don't know that she has a husband. We don't know that she has children, but she has a household. These are employees that lived with her. She owned a big house, and she, her heart was as big as her house. And she, she prevails. She gets saved, and, and her household gets saved. And then she, and baptized, and she prevails on Paul and Silas to stay in her cushy house. So not only does she house all these other people, they, she had extra rooms to, to put up Paul and his entourage in their house. Hallelujah. Okay, so what is this? Jesus is building his church. Now let's put this together. He, he builds his church with people, flawed people. He builds his church with revelation by Holy Spirit revelation on where to plant the church, where to go. He builds it with salvation, people coming to Christ, whole households coming to Christ. And now, watch what happens in verse 16. So Paul leaves this 
this wealthy, influential uh, woman who's now born again, baptized, a follower of Jesus Christ. Her whole household's a follower of Christ. And now he goes to the city square again, to the heart of Philippi, and he starts preaching. Every day he goes and he's preaching. Well, it doesn't take long for a slave girl who has an evil spirit that's clairvoyant. It gives her a power, an ability to see into the future, to see into people's lives. And it, basically, she's a false prophetess. She's, she's a prophetess with demonic uh, power, uh, prophesying for the devil into people's lives. And she has an, an uncanny accuracy in what, she's, uh, what she predicts. And the master, the one that, that has her as a slave, is making all kinds of money off her. Well, Paul gets irritated by the things that this woman is saying. Now, everything she's saying is, is true. It, it says here in verse 17, these men are servants of God. This is what the woman's announcing. These men are servants of God, the Most High God, who uh, proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, that's pretty good. That's about as accurate a dis description as you can get of Paul. But Paul didn't like it that a demon was announcing him. Well, of course he wouldn't want that. Any more than, you know, it was a demon in the synagogue of Capernaum that announced this is, this is the son of the living God. And Jesus shut up that demon and cast that demon out as well. And, and now Paul is going to deal with this demon. So Paul says enough is enough. And so he looks at her, but she, he doesn't speak to her. He speaks to the demon in the, in the woman. And he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And immediately the demon comes out. Hallelujah. So what is this? This is, now we're getting to Jesus not allowing the hell gates to stand against him. So the hell gate of this demonic prophetess, this false prophetess, the hell gate that was set up inside of this woman now is, is removed. And, and the demon is gone. Well, now, now the gospel, the gospel is getting closer to the epicenter of the hell gate in Philippi. Not quite there yet, but it's getting closer. Now this woman, it turns out, was really kind of, in a sense, while she was unknown, she, we don't even have her name, Lydia was known, had money, this woman has no money, um, this woman has no apparent influence, Lydia has lots of influence, but now we're going to see that this woman actually was closer to the heart of what was moving the whole city of Philippi than even Lydia. Because when the power, the demonic power goes, goes out of her, now everyone in town turns against Paul and, and his entourage and the gospel. And they tear his shirt off. They smack him with rods. This is gross. I mean, you, you don't treat a dog like this. Here they're smacking him. And, and their welts are developing. And they keep smacking him with these rods. And then they put him in the inner jail in Philippi, the jail. They're covered with welts. Their, their, their ankles and wrists are, are strapped uh, down. They're put in stocks, whatever that means. 
and, and there they are suffering in, in jail. Okay, now we're getting close to the, the gates of hell in Philippi. Often the criminal justice of a nation is real close to the hell gates. The criminal justice. Because it, the criminal justice is kind of man's best effort at controlling hell. Think about it. It's what it is. And so the, you, you lock up the, the menaces of society, supposedly. And, and, and now Jesus has two of his choice servants right at the armpit of Philippi, right in the slum hole of Philippi, right at Hell's Gate. And watch what they do. You gotta love verse 25. About midnight, they weren't reaching for their pillows, they start praying and praising. And this week, I, I've read this a thousand times. This week I saw something I never saw before. Notice what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns about God. No. Nope. For God. No. Nope. It says very explicitly they were praying and singing hymns to God. Makes all the difference. This was not just a hand-holy um, do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do. Now this isn't just a happy, this is warfare. They are, they are defying hell's gates by um, hell's doorstep. They are declaring to God his power, his glory. His supremacy. This is one of the ways God builds his church is in praise and worship. You don't need a band. You don't need good speakers. You don't need fancy screens. You can do it in a hell hole. And they don't think they felt like it. They felt miserable. This is the ultimate. I don't care how I feel. I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. Worship. So what are you dealing with? Is it this bad? This just came to me this morning. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, and again, these are the guys Paul wrote Philippians to, these guys. In Philippians chapter 4, you know that verse where it says in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned how to abound, and I've learned how to be abased. I learned how to abound when I was staying with Lydia in her cushy uh, 12-bedroom a 14 jacuzzi house, sleeping on, uh, you know, stuffed uh, down 
mattress with 25 pillows and air conditioning, and they brought me any food I wanted any time, day or night. I, I know how to, be ab how to abound, and I learned how to be abased in that rat hole of the prison. Hallelujah. And he worshiped. Now, you can have a lot of fun with this passage. But guess what happens? You can summarize this whole thing. God comes to the rat hole. Because Paul and Silas brought him there when they praised him. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the building of his church. So an earthquake, uh, this is a supernatural earthquake. And supernaturally, not only did the, did, the, did the bars and the doors bust open in the prison, but hell's gates busted open. And the, the guy in charge draws his sword kill himself. Now, I don't know whether it was this way or this way. But somehow, with a sword, he was going to... So he went from killing himself to getting saved in Hell's Gate. And oh, this is so cool. So the inmates are now free, and the warden and his, his lieutenants bow down. So really, the warden bows down and gives the control of his jail over to the inmates. Hallelujah. This is turning hell upside down. It's what God does. And then the guy's on his knees, and he says, what must I do to be saved? I mean, this is just, this, this, it doesn't get any better than this. What must I do to be saved? God, God changed his heart. He was, two minutes earlier, he's saying, what must I do to die? And he draws his sword, that's what I do to die. Now he's saying, what must I do to be saved? And then these words, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 31. In the next three verses, you'll find household, house, family five times. You know why? Because when God builds his church, he builds families. He loves families. It's part of how he builds his church. He builds families. He builds, builds, builds family. And so the whole household gets saved. And they all get baptized. So now we've got uh, the, the wealthy lady, Lydia. Her whole household gets saved. Now you've got the, the jailer and his whole household get saved. And they're both now all baptized. Well, when this happens... And the, the doors of the prison are busted open. The jailer repents. 
the, the magistrate, or I guess kind of like the mayor of Philippi, uh, gets with his, his lieutenants, and, and they all say, that we need to get rid of Paul and Silas. Just, just get. So they send word over. This is so cool. So Paul's a little bit of a rascal. It's a little bit like your pastor. So, so instead of just, you know, hightailing it out of town, Paul says, uh, no, we're not going to leave. That guy's got to come himself and apologize. Well, what kind of a guy is this? He's not going to, he can just go. I mean, isn't that good enough? He, he got permission to go. No, he, he wanted, he wanted the, the guy that, that had him whipped and put in jail, he wanted him to come and apologize and to say what I did was wrong. We were wrong. Oh, I get a kick out of Paul. And they did. They came and said it right, publicly. Publicly. The, the guy the, with egg all over his face, he, he, he makes him, you know, like a dog with his tail between his legs. The, the, the mayor comes and <laughs> we messed up. But what is he doing? He's publicly having them declare, you were right and we were wrong. This makes a difference in the, in the, before God, in the public place. What, what is this? Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. The, the, the final thing that happens, it's the last verse of chapter 16. It's verse 40, but it's kind of cool. It says, so that when they went out of the prison, they went and visited Lydia. <laughs> Paul had good taste. nothing wrong here he's 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 tying off loose ends he's going back to to his first fruits the first one to get saved in philippi was lydia so he goes back but but i i just can't help think that he also wanted to have some of the, the good taste before he left he just he wanted to have you know he, he he ate the garbage that they served him in the prison but before he left he just wanted to get a little bit of that uh, the the good and a couple a few days at Lydia's house I'm sure did him good before he left town. What a picture! So you just think in this one chapter, we see Jesus building his church. We see the gates of hell not prevailing against it in every point. Timothy, because Paul's a flawed leader and he 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 picks ordinary people. That's what Jesus uses to build his church, and the gates of hell, the racism, doesn't stand against it. Then Revelation, the Holy Spirit very clearly said, not here, not here, not here, but here, go to Macedonia. That's what, because not that they're better, it's, but now's the time. Timing is everything with building his church, and Paul got the timing right, and the rest proves it. Lydia was ready, and so salvation builds the church. And the gates of hell. The, the one who blinds the minds of unbelievers is not going to work when, when, when the gospel is preached because that's the power of God for salvation. Deliverance. The deliverance of that slave girl. Deliverance builds the church. And very clearly, the, even false prophecy is not going to prevail against the building of the church. 
prison and the persecution and the welts on their back and the open sores and and what could have been self-pity, that wasn't going to stop the building of the church because they were praisers and they knew the power of praise and praise and worship was building the church and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And then the the whole prison system gets turned on its ear because the, the, the leader and his, his understudies, they all got saved, they all got baptized, the kingdom of God reached the rat hole of Philippi. Families is what God uses to build the church. The family, the household of Lydia, the, the family of the jailer. And then friendships. Stewarding friendships. Going back to Lydia's home because the friendships of life in the kingdom matter. People matter. Our relationships with each other matter because that's how God builds his church. Hallelujah. I want to end by giving two exhortations. The one is on the gates of hell. We've decided as a church this year to not have our trunk or treat. We do a lot of outreach, and we're going to always continue to do a lot more outreach. But we decided to skip it. And I've got to say there are two reasons. We're going to replace it with um, pumpkin carving and a pie contest. Now, um, I hope you love this. Uh, we're going to have fun with the pumpkin carving. Um, plan to be here. And we're going to, instead of doing it on the 31st, which is Sunday, we didn't want anything disrupting our worship. But the day before, we're on Saturday evening, we're going to have pumpkin carving. And uh, please br- uh, dust off your pie recipes. Come and we're going to have a blast with the pies. Um, it, it, we don't want public spot pies. I mean, you can bring them, but you're not going to win the, 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 the trophy, I promise you. Um, and I've already eliminated myself as a judge, so don't think this is just so I get to taste all the pies. Uh, we're going to appoint a few of you. I'm looking around at some great potential pie tasters for the, the pie contest. But the bigger reason we, we've changed things this year, I mean, there, it's going to be great to, to meet together and celebrate our, our church family and to do something as a church family and have some fun together. But the other reason is, I've got to say, Halloween is, is a deal. And darkness is getting darker. If you, if you don't realize this, you, you're sleeping. If you don't think there, there are more challenges that our nation is facing, that, that uh, uh, demons are getting more active, you've been asleep. And frankly, it's time to wake up. Church, you need, we need to wake up. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing. Well, you know, you, you, you seek God. But as a church, this is not the year for us to be doing anything of that nature on the, the 31st. Uh, it's not for us. Not as a church. And on this, I have to just exhort you, please, parents, do not watch what your, what the TV is offering this month. Collectively, the worst demonic, demonized movies are shown in the month of October than the rest of the year put together. Please, 
use discretion. The Bible says those things are forbidden to us. We shouldn't even be talking uh, about the things that are done in darkness, let alone sitting there watching. If you watched them in the past, I'm serious, repent of having watched them. And if you haven't, if your curiosity is up this year, uh, I call you to repent of even the curiosity. Don't watch what is clearly forbidden, please. And, and exercise uh, authority in your household with your children, please. Amen? Amen. Because the gates of hell are, are the real deal. And we're all fighting against them, whether we realize it or not. The other thing I wanted to say from this scripture of uh, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. And I've said it already, Fred Hartley, it doesn't say Fred Hartley's going to build the church, or, or Stephen, or Wayne Burton, or Dale Webb, or, or Julia. It's not, it's ultimately Jesus is building his church. And, and I, I want to encourage us as a church family. I love the, our T-shirt, All In. But ultimately, our church is not going to be built because of our activity. Our church is going to be built because of Jesus' activity. And that's not, that's not semantics. That's not play on words. That's reality. It's reality. And for this reason, we have uh, purchased for, uh, make them available for you, is our Red Hot Answer to Prayer book. Now this is not a, a journal, or this is not, it's not really a journal, or, or a diary. You don't put in here, um, I got up a little late and I made myself a cappuccino, and I'm, I'm heading to Walmart. You know, that's not what this is. This is you write your prayers in blue or black with the date, but then in red, you go back and you write the answers in here so that your prayer life becomes less about what you do when you pray and more about what God does when you pray. That's the idea. We need a shift in our prayer lives. And we, frankly, we need a shift in our church operation. It's not what we do that's the big deal. It's what God's doing that's the big deal. He's going to build his church. And we need more of him among us. And that's the book of Acts. That's the book of Acts. Father, we open our hearts to you this morning. We come under uh, your word. We come under the inspection of your word. We praise you for the written word of the book of Acts. And we praise you for the living word of your Holy Spirit that applies your word to our lives over and over and over again. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. And Father, won't you clean out our prayer lives, that our prayer lives from this day forward will be more about what you are doing than what we're doing. Less about our systems and more about your presence. And Father, we pray this for our church family. We're an active church. We've got a lot of things happening. But in the middle of all that we're doing, we want to see more of what you're doing. Give us eyes to see the I behind I will build my church. Because, Lord, we want to be a church that you are building on every level, and we want to be the church 
that pushes back the hell gates of Lilburn and Tucker and Stone Mountain and Decatur and Lawrenceville and Duluth, Decula, all around us, Monroe, Athens, Gainesville, Roswell, Douglasville. Father, through us, in us, build your church. House build your church and overthrow the hell gates around us. Because, Lord, we want to be among those that pour the redemption of Jesus into the deepest wounds of humanity in Atlanta. In Jesus' name.